We're going to start tonight somewhere in the Bible. Proverbs, uh, no, Proverbs. Okay, our scriptures for the year. Let me remember those. Exodus 2020. Chronicles 2020, Second Chronicles 2020. 2020 vision. All kinds of great prophecies over this year. A pivotal year in the United States and the government. A pivotal year in the kingdom of God. Because what you see going on in the United States is not is not Democrat and, and Republican. It's you know it's the new world order against the free world, and so and, and so and it's raging. And uh, matter of fact, one of the visions that I read, it had uh, Donald Trump running in a marathon, and um, as he was running, of course, he was taking all the abuse being spit on and hurled at and all that. Even though the unemployment rate is lower than it's ever been, and I'm not preaching political stuff here, I'm just stating facts. The unemployment rate's lower than it's ever been. The stock market back in December was higher than it's ever been. And you know, companies that were doing things abroad are moving back in the States, the economy is booming. And again, I'm not promoting Donald Trump or, or anybody else, but I'm saying right now, the blessing of God is coming into the nation because it's time. The blessing of God is coming into the church now because it's time. Bill Winston prophesied a year of the glory of God. Well, wouldn't you like that? But here it's here in Colossians chapter Colossians, Chronicles chapter twenty. By the way, I had an angelic visitation today. Let me remind me to tell you about it sometime. <laughs> so chapter 20, when you read chapter 20 of Chronicles, you need to realize that Satan came to steal what God had provided for them. Have any of you ever experienced such a thing as that? An absurd thing is that. Can you believe it? See, the devil, even though the Bible says that he knows his time is short, he goes around, Peter 5, 7 says, as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And um, he's kind of like, he, he never quits. It, it, so if you look at him, he reminds you of in the Second World War, the Japanese had the kamikaze pilots. They would just, you know, fly into your, into your ship and kill themselves. It's interesting, too, when you look at that, because the Germans, I think the, the war was over in June or July. Second World War was over. I wasn't there, if, you wonder, if you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> How old is he, anyway? Well, I met Nancy on the Eric because we went on two by two. How about that? <laughs> By the way, Richard, I have some advice for you. Mary, this year is a leap year, buddy. February 29th, you'll, if you switched a few days. No, but if you did the 29th, you'd only have to do an anniversary once every four years. And the chances of forgetting are minuscule compared to uh, the rest of us regular people. Anyway, so, so the Germans surrendered, but the Japanese did not. They didn't surrender. They kept on fighting for months until finally Harry Truman, I think he was the president at the time, 
made a, a decision to release the nuclear bombs on Hiroshima and uh, Nagasaki. That was the only way that he could get them to stop. And God has a similar plan for the church. There's going to be an explosion of his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But now, but, but what's key to this? Well, verse 20 of 20 is key. Notice they rose up early. They didn't sleep in late. There's something about getting up early in the morning and praying. There's something about giving the first part of your day to the Lord. You know, and you can do that. All you do is make a decision. I'm going to spend, hey, it's 20, 20. Give them 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. For some people, that's a breakthrough. You know, because we get distracted. I'm not condemning anybody, but we get distracted and we don't take the time. And lots of times when you go to bed at night, the cares of the day. Notice Goliath came out every morning and every night, early in the morning and late at night. That's when the cares of the day, you're laying in bed trying to process all this stuff, right? But if you put the word of God in there, it works. First thing in the morning, Goliath came out and said, you know, he, he said, God's not for you. And the first thing in the morning, your circumstances like to yell at you and tell you, well, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to do so well today. You just need to learn how to say, ah, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm going to, and I'm going to realize that bad things happen to good people. And it doesn't make sense. A serial killer doesn't make sense. You're trying to figure out why things happen to you. Well, I'm telling you right now, they were attacking here, but God had to do something supernatural in this book of Chronicles to turn things around. It says they rose up early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa and they went forth. Jehoshaphat stood there and said, hear me, hear me. I'd like to say the same thing. Hear me. Oh, New Covenant Ministries Church, step into your new reality this year. Amen. New covenant, new reality. Amen. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in your circumstance, and your circumstance is about to radically change. The things you've been believing God for for years are about to come to pass in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you believe it, act like it's true. Amen. If you really believe it, start acting like it. Don't, don't, you know, the king, don't wait and see. Hear and do. Don't wait and see what's going to happen. Waiting to see what's going to happen. There's not an ounce of faith in that. If you're really believing it, you're going to act like it's true. Why would you say that? Well, let's read on. Hear me, you new covenant, new reality Christians. Believe in the Lord your God and be established. That's amen now. That means amen. Believe, and and it's not (laughs) make-believe. You're enough. God didn't shortchange you. You're enough. Everything that you you already have, everything that you need. You already are everything that you need to be. You are. Believe God, you'll be established. And then it says, believe his prophets and you will prosper. And so prophecy requires participation, and I didn't know that. 
I mean, for years and years and years, I did not know that. Some of the best prophets in the land. I remember Ron Kuzma prophesied pages over our church. And then Ed Dufresne, I mean, come on, Ed Dufresne. Some of, if you don't know some of these guys, you need to get to know them. Lots of times, you younger guys and girls, you're listening to the sons and daughters of the faith. Let me tell you something, you're shortchanging yourself. You need to get a hold of the teachings of Kenneth Hagin. A guy like Lester Sumerall, he wrote about 80 books in his life. When he, when he stopped writing, he knew he was going home. That guy, I mean, the wisdom and the knowledge, those guys proved themselves over time. Some of the people that you're listening to, I can promise you right now, 10 years from now, you won't be able to find them. You know, just a shooting star. Oh, yeah, but they had depth. It's kind of like the praise and worship. <laughs> Let me tell you, some of the praise and worship is very emotional, and young people are writing it that don't have any depth of the things of the Spirit. And so you're looking for this powerful anointing, and it's not there. How could it be there? Because you can't give away what you don't have. So he says, believe the prophet, and you will prosper, you'll prosper. And, and again, it requires participation. Do I believe... Do I believe what the prophet said about this year? And if I believe it, then I'm not going to sit in this church for month after month and wait and see. I'm going to celebrate the victory now. You know, we will know when you really believe. We'll know when you step over from hope and into faith because you'll be celebrating the victory because you'll see it before you ever seize it. See, if you only knew, in Genesis chapter 1, God made man on the sixth day. You know why? Because in the seventh day, the first thing that happened was the man entered into God's rest. Everything was provided for him before he was ever created. According to Ephesians 1 and verse 3, He's already blessed you with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. That tells me that everything that you'll ever need was placed on the inside of you before you were, before you were dispatched into the earth, before you had boots on the ground, before you were deployed here on purpose and for a purpose. Matter of fact, in Mark chapter 2, they're, they're, the disciples are there and they're eating barley out of the field and um, the Pharisees are... It's not lawful for them to eat that. And, 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 and Jesus said, don't you remember David went in and ate the showbread? And he's trying to teach them that, this, that the Sabbath, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man so that you could learn to enter into his rest. So that you could understand that I'm, I'm going to go to work. Maybe I'm going to go to work and I'm going to have a job. I may work six days, but the job is not my source. God is my source. Matter of fact, one of the curses that came on Adam was he was going to have to toil. And thorns would come up. And Jesus wore a crown of thorns on his head. And then it says that you'll live by the sweat of your brow, but Jesus swept drops of blood and even redeemed you from that. Redeemed you from your human effort. So that the struggle... Listen... You win and the struggle is over. The struggle is over. 
There's no struggle in this. I was going to do Hebrews chapter 4 tonight, but I can't get there right now. I don't have the time. But, you know, learn about labor and enter into his rest. It's the only labor that you and I are supposed to be active in. Not trying to struggle, try, trying to make ends meet. The ends have met. All I need to do is keep passing it out. It multiplies as I pass it out. Genesis 8.22, as long as the earth remains, seed time, harvest time, as long as I take on the nature of my father, for God so loved that he gave. What did he give? His only begotten. He gave his best. So, so what's my job? What's my responsibility? To be like him, to give my best and to keep giving it out. And the more I give it out, the more it comes back. So I'm not making my living from working, although I, I do need to work. But I make my living from my giving. Hallelujah. Believe the prophet and you will prosper. Hallelujah. In other words, get up. You've got a part to play. Bounce. Rebound. Run around. Dance. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking, and I know it's going to happen. This, this year is a, a pivotal year here for us, too. This year, hallelujah. This year, we're going to be coming to church not to get something. We're becoming so full of the Holy Ghost. No, no, you think about it. They, you know, what, how, how are we going to reach the city? Well, I've been thinking of lots of ways. You know, the racial profiling and all the things that we have to deal with in our city, it's been frustrating me for years. And I realized today that, you know, I thought if all the churches would come together, we could combat this. But then I, thought, then I realized it's not going to happen that way because the church is divided even on Democrat and Republican in Canada. In Canada, the liberals got elected. The abortionists got elected. In the United States, they're still celebrating a man that put the rainbow on the White House. And that gave $15 billion to Iran, the enemy. And they can't see it. They can't even see it. You can talk to them about it, and they look at you like a dog at a new, at a new dish. Right? Like, they just, what's that? But I know what will happen. The Holy Ghost moving. And it was noised abroad that he was in the house. Hallelujah. And then there's an angel. There's an angel here right here tonight. He, he's here right now tonight, and he's, he's big. He's not human size. He's big. He's got a big, a big, big outfit on, and he's here. He's a deliverance angel. And he's coming to deliver people and to set them free. And you'll know it during praise and worship because you'll get poked and you'll drop to the floor. And when that angel is finished delivering you and I from our demonic activity, then warrior angels that are with him are going out into the community to police the area. Because, because Cyril, you know, in your area, like murderous spirit, right? And then the police come in and do nothing. 
They come in, they look, and they acknowledge it and leave. What can change all that? Only the power of the Holy Ghost. It's because I, I was, you know, I, I've been, Paul, Pastor Paul and I have been talking about it for months and years and how frustrating it is for us. But because we're trying to look for a natural way to do, deal with a supernatural problem. Again, the problem is not Republican, Democrat, or Democrat, or any other kind of crowd, or liberal, conservative. The problem is we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It's a spiritual problem, and you're not going to come up with a political solution. You're not going to legislate. It's like trying to get rid of guns. <laughs> well, somebody will kill you with a knife. <laughs> the problem is not a gun or a knife. Amen. Amen. I know we do. I love it when people quote those verses. <laughs> we have dominion. We have dominion. Yeah, I have a gun. It's no good until you shoot it. <laughs> I got a gun. I got a gun. You better pull the trigger. <laughs> and again, I'm, you, know, you know what I'm talking about here. Right? I'm not talking about shooting people. Okay, you need to explain that, right? Okay. Hallelujah. But you have a part to play. We as a church have a part to play. And you might look around on a Thursday night and think there's not very many people here. This is awesome. The Thursday night people, if you can get people out on a Thursday night, there was only 120 people in the upper room and we're still rocking from what they did. So it's not about how many people are here. It's about how you get a revelation of who you are in Christ. That in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. Oh, I'm just so lacking in this, and I'm struggling in that, and I'm really trying to change. You've been trying to change ever since I met you. Give it up. Well, I just got to be a better person. Ah, oh, shut up. No, no. <laughs> Don't be saucy. That's the devil talking to you every day. First off, he'll provoke you to do something wrong, and then he'll pick on you for doing it, telling you how low down you are, saying, no, I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. And I'm more than the conqueror, and I practiced sin until I perfected it, and now I'm practicing righteousness. But I'm just practicing. Hallelujah. And when I miss, when I miss, I just get up and take another shot. Shot, shot, shot. <laughs> Hallelujah. But now let's look at an example. Let's go to Samuel chapter. Samuel chapter 17, 18, 16, 17, 18. It's a good book. Chapter 17. Hmm? Well, David's not in Second Samuel. Well, he is, but he's not a young kid. Didn't I say David? Oh. Well, pick it up. You've got to discern things. We're moving into the realm of the Spirit this year, more than we ever did before. Yeah. No, but when you start thinking about David, there's some cool stuff in his life, too. You know, David was 17 when he was anointed to be the king. And it took a bunch of years after that before it happened, didn't it? 
after he got anointed to be the king, the devil tormented him and chased him all over the Middle East. And the Bible, my Bible says in Peter 2, 9, that you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, that you are a priest and a king. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That makes you a king and a lord. But you may have been experiencing some harassment. There may have been a javelin thrown at you like it was with David when he went for supper. Imagine going for supper and somebody's throwing a, throwing a javelin at you. That's a, that's, how many of you know that's a bad day? That's, that's, sitting in the Swiss <laughs> Got an angry chef back there. I don't know. But David, when Samuel came to anoint David, he went through all seven sons. He said, none of these guys, they look, they look big and strong, and they look like they should be the ones. Then you look at a church on a Thursday night, and you have to remind yourself of Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to bestow onto you the kingdom. See, because he said man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So David's this illegitimate son. We would call him a bastard son. I hope if you're a Jew, this doesn't offend you. But it's my conclusion, and I could be wrong, but they didn't mention him until, until, until Samuel asked. Oh, yeah, we got a guy out there with the sheep in the woods. Well, putting a, putting a little kid, a 17-year-old kid out looking after the sheep, like if you understood what a shepherd had to go through, you wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> no, and when Jesus came and appeared to the shepherds, he was the highest coming to the lowest. The lowest that you could be was a shepherd, right? <laughs> and, so they, and so anyway, so he, became, so he goes out against Goliath. But there's another part of his story that I would just like to interject here. Can I just stick in another part of the story? Because he was illegitimate. How many of you know in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12, he sees this woman. The Bible says that he got up out of bed in the evening. That'll tell you lifestyle, right? <laughs> there's, there's a lifestyle problem, unless he's a musician, right? <laughs> he gets out of bed in the evening. This woman, all of the soldiers are all gone to war. She's up on the rooftop where it's cool having a bath, thinking she's got complete privacy. But David's up there looking at her. And he looked long enough. And of course, you know the rest of the story. He called her over. She had obeyed the king, and, and he got her pregnant, and then tried to pass it off on Uriah the Hittite, the husband. He got the husband to come home saying, if I can blame it on him, you know, bring him home. And, and he was so honorable that when he came home, he wouldn't sleep with his wife. And so finally, David had him killed. No, no, but this is Acts 13, 22. This is David, a man after God's own heart. See what we're talking about here. So anyway, Bathsheba's pregnant, and when she gets ready to have the baby... David prays and prays and prays for hours and days, and he fasts. He won't talk to anybody, and finally the baby dies, right? It's a, it's a tragedy, right? It's a tragedy. But, but the mercy of God, the mercy of God is beyond, like, we need to learn this. We need to learn this when we're looking at other people. 
like David went forward and, and the Lord God came along and best da David and Bathsheba started out in a sinful relationship and they ended up birthing Solomon into the earth. The richest king that ever ruled and reigned on the earth came out of that relationship. Now think about that when you're getting upset about somebody that did you wrong. Matter of fact, the disciples, the only time that they ever asked for more faith was when Jesus said, you need to forgive a guy 70 times a day. They said, Lord, increase our faith. But see, that's the heart of God. Yeah, there, was a, yeah there, was a, there were some difficulties that came as a result of his doing that. You know, and most of it came out of his own mouth. He cursed himself, but, but nonetheless, you see the love and the forgiveness of God. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with this. This is what we're focused on right now. This is, okay. I'm trying to focus on something here anyway. But in, so in chapter 17, Goliath, your enemy, Goliath, your enemy, he's just a type in the shadow of Satan, right? Coming out every morning and every evening and molting off. And the whole church is hidden away. The church is hiding. They're hiding in the caves and in the rocks. They're hiding at 946 Main Street. Just hiding out. So something has to happen to erupt the church. There has to be a Hiroshima boom. Okay, so let's find out where the boom is. Verse uh, 48 of chapter 17. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. David, look at this. This is a kid. This is a kid that understands his covenant. No fear here. You're not afraid of circumstances. You're not afraid of doctor's reports. You're not afraid of banker's reports because you know you're God. Doesn't matter what it looks like, it's subject to change. He, Corinthians 4.18 says the things that we look upon are temporal. But the word of God never changes. It's established in heaven and we establish it in our lives. So, so it says, again, the past, the Philistine came out. And David ran toward the Philistine. And David put his hand in the bag and took out, out of there a stone. And he slung it. And smote the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell down like he was shot with a 357 Magnum. Bang! Hallelujah. Knocked him in the head, and David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him. But David, but David had no, didn't even have a sword in his hand. He didn't even have a sword in his hand. Matter of fact, he had tried to use Saul's armor earlier on, it wouldn't work for him. Because someone else's anointing is not yours. You, you have a special gift in the kingdom of God, and you don't have to imitate or mimic anybody else. You are an individual. And there's an individual call on your life. And if you only knew you are enough, you have the ability, according to Ephesians 2.6, to step over into the spirit realm anytime you want to. I suggest that you go over there and live there. No, no, the Holy Spirit came to guide you into all the truth. You're running around looking for answers. He's, he's sitting up on the inside of you. He's saying, hey, I'll guide you into all the truth, and I'll show you the things to come. When you stop struggling on your, when you stop sweating, sweatless victory. 
So David didn't have a sword, but he knew where to get one. <laughs> no, no, take what your enemy brings and use it against you and use it against him. And, and, and here's another thing. Anything that dies as easily as Goliath did is not your real enemy anyway. <laughs> he went down with one shot. All that roaring and all that noise, and it took one shot to take him out. That's why the Bible says God has not given you, Timothy 1.7, 2 Timothy 1.7, I haven't given you a spirit of fear. I've given you a spirit of love. I've given you a spirit of power. I've given you a spirit of a sound mind. That fear is not yours. When you, when you experience fear, you're experiencing the personality of your enemy. He's filled with fear. It's how he lives. And so when he meant, I know he'll show himself in the movies, this big, horrible creature and all that kind of stuff. He's a mouse with a microphone. He's like a rat in a squirrel's outfit. Still a rat. This doesn't look as bad. Therefore, David ran and stood. I like this. Ran and climbed right up on his chest and stood on him. And all the vegans were watching saying, I wonder what's going to happen next. What's going to happen now? What's going to happen now? Drew the sword out, the sheath. And cut off his head. Can you imagine the liberals today? <laughs> they won't even uh, eat a cow unless it's been humanely treated. <laughs> Hello, yes, dear cow. Yes, I'm here to kill you today. But I'm going to do it humanely, bank. Oh, there. Okay. <laughs> No, but it's come on, the world is going crazy. <laughs> he took a sword and drew it out of his sheath, and he slew him and cut off his head, and this is how you get ahead in life, right? <laughs> and when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. But look at this, an awesome display of the power will bring the church out of hiding. Watch what happens next, come on. And the children of Israel, come on, they, they rose up, and they, they shouted, and they pursued, yeah. No, no, you know, the majority of the church, not this church, but the majority of the church, I was going to say the manure, no, manure, minority. <laughs> no, no, the majority of the church, probably 80%, well, use a figure that sounds right, okay. Could be 70, could be 70. A large number of the church is waiting on the rapture. Yeah. Lord, please come and get me and take me home. Wow. They haven't won anybody to the Lord, haven't done anything for the kingdom of God. They just want out of here. And God said, I deployed you. He said, Esther, you were born into the kingdom for such a time as this. Yeah. Esther, you're going to have to risk your life. Yeah. You're going to have to go in before the king. Yeah. And if he holds up his scepter, you got it made. If he doesn't, you're dead. And somebody else will take your place. Next. No, no, there's risk involved, really, but it's not risk if you believe God. If you believe God, you know all things are going to work together for your good. So this display of power went boom. And when it went off, the church came running out the gate. Let's go to Psalm 50. 
I don't know about you, but I'm expecting the supernatural every single day now. Because I, I, I know even when you, when, you, when you go to Israel and you see their, their drawings, you'll see the new Jerusalem over the old Jerusalem, and it's mirrored. And it's like they're coming together. And even if you're reading the Bible through with us right now, we just passed through Genesis chapter 45. And when David, when David, when Joseph finally revealed himself to his brothers, it was two years into the famine, which tells us that when Jesus reveals himself to the Jews, it'll be year two of the tribulation period. And what's really interesting is that, that when he revealed himself to his brothers, they all got blessed, but Benjamin got five times as much. And Benjamin is who you represent on the earth today. So, so you know, take a good look at that. Yeah. Okay, so um, where did I say go? Did I give you a verse? Shoot. Doesn't look right. Hmm. It's a good song, though, isn't it? If you're reading through with me. <laughs> Well, then, let's go to um, Matthew chapter 13. I messed that up somehow, Lord. Huh. No, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm still looking for the psalm while you're going there. It was Psalm 50. But anyway, let's go, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 first. It was Psalm 50. Did I tell you I had an angel? Yeah, messed me up. I have an angelic excuse now. Ha ha. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. I'm trying to find it. I know it's in my Bible somewhere, but I know what the verse says. It says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rules of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. And, and when you're wrestling, it's what David did. Real, real wrestling means putting your foot on your enemy's neck and separating his head from his shoulders. Matter of fact, you read Joshua chapter 10 and five kings, you know, you've had some serious issues since you've been serving God. No, but read the book of Joshua. Every place the sole of your foot should tread upon, I've already given it to you, but he had to fight for every stinking inch. And then one time, ten, five kings attacked them all at once. Have you ever been in an experience like when just when you thought it couldn't get any worse? Yeah. Right? Now all of a sudden there's not there's one thing to deal with. Now there's five things to deal with. But you know what? They, they got those five kings and they laid them on the ground and they offed their heads. Pretty awesome. Um, Psalm 50. Because Jubilee year was back in 1917, back in 1917, back in 2017, and um, so things began to happen then, and there's been a deployment of angelic beings into this earth that will manifest in some services, and maybe in your home. You you, you can be exp don't go looking for them, but don't be surprised when they show up. And even if you don't see them with your natural eye, you'll know when they're there and you'll know what they're doing. 
you know, sometimes angels are involved in healing the body. They'll come through, walk through a service and just touch people. And so it's pretty cool. Anyway, verse three, Psalm 50. Our God shall come and not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with, my with me by sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus, of course, and the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God will judge for himself. Selah. In other words, think about this, that God is moving on the earth Remember what he said, my glory shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Just like Noah's flood wiped everybody out. He said, my glory flood, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The, the delivering angel that is here delivering you over these coming few months will move from here into the community yes. with a host. And deliverance will come and people will be coming to the church, not by evangelism. Oh, that's, that's very important because the church needs to de be deployed in the community. But this is going to be a supernatural thing. It was noised abroad that he was in the house. How's it going to get noised abroad? It's you going and telling people. God moved in our church on Sunday. Somebody got healed. Somebody got filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, Matthew chapter 13, I better get, come on, oh yeah, I'm done. Matthew 13. Didn't get to St. John last Sunday, got stormed out. Salute to New Covenant Ministries Church. Churches all across the city have been closed for the past two Sundays, and you all been here. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Um. Now, in Matthew chapter 13, you have seven kingdom parables talking about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God doesn't come by observation. The kingdom of God is what? Downloaded within you. And so these things are going on the place. And, 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 and right now, this is taking place. The, the, the Bible says that the field is the world. Well, I better read more than that. I'd be confused by it. I can't read the whole chapter, Lord. I haven't got time. Many of you know the tares were sown among the wheat. You know the story, right? And tares are uh, zizena, and they look exactly like wheat until they're full grown. And when they're full grown, the top of the wheat bows, and the zizena doesn't. It just stays stiff. And so pride's another thing that has to be wiped out of the church. It's got to be a humble people that will serve the Lord and not look for any credit, not look for any... It'll be a church that really does submit their bodies unto Christ to live in sacrifice, wholly acceptable in their reasonable service. It's not like I'm not looking to make a name for himself, himself. So he says in verse 38, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. Well, they're here. They're here. They were deployed here too. The enemy that sowed them was the devil, and the harvest is the end of the world, where we are now, and the reapers are the angels. And as therefore the tares were gathered together to be burned by the fire, so shall it be at the end of the world. But look at this. The Son of Man 
shall send forth his angels and they'll gather out of the kingdom all the things that offend and those that do iniquity and they'll be thrown into the fire. But look at verse 43. Then the righteous shall shine forth as the sun, the kingdom of their father, who has, ever, who has an ear to hear, let him hear. That there's angels that have been dispatched to awaken the church. There's angels that have been dispatched now to bring a harvest into the world. Read the book of Revelation. You'll see about angels being dispatched in, in larger numbers as the end of the age approaches. And they're here now. But you, but you need to expect them to be working on your behalf. You need to believe the pastor and so shall you prosper. You need to believe that it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You need to believe that he sent a delivered angel here to right in, in this specific place to bring your deliverance. And I, I'm not saying that you're demon. Maybe there's been demons that have been harassing you and harassing your family for generations that are going to be dealt with now. That's what we're talking about. Sometimes we ask ourselves, how did this happen to me? Well, you look back two or three generations. Right? And then you say, hey, well, you know, I don't believe in that generational curse. Well, whether you believe in it or not, I, there's evidence. I know that some preachers will tell you once you're born again, it's all going away and all that. And I know that that's true. But then there's this other truth that keeps looking to me in the eye. <laughs> I'm seeing people dealing with things that, that their fathers dealt with and their grandfathers dealt with. And, you, you know, if you got red hair, it wasn't your fault. If you got blonde hair, it wasn't your fault. You got that from your natural family. And there's other things that came from your natural family. When I, I'll just close with this story. When I was uh, 16, I, I, my parents had been dead since I was, you know, 10. My mom, six when my dad died. So I'm, I'm alone, and I'm being pushed from pillar to post and living here and there. So when I'm 16, I look at a Halifax vocational school, and there was only one year, only one one-year course. It was a welder. So I became a welder because it was a one-year course, right? And, um, but then here's something that's strange that happened. Three weeks before graduation, two friends of mine were going up to the Trenton Car Works in New Glasgow, where they, at that time they were building railway cars, to apply for a job. I went with them and got hired on and didn't have to come back. You know, they, they released me from the school and I didn't have to finish the course. But a couple of months later, I found out that my grandfather worked there. So then I began to search, and I found that there was star manufacturing in Dartmouth, and other family members were doing iron work and things like that there. And so how did I end up in a family full of iron workers? And I didn't even like it. So it wasn't my plan. And nothing, listen, nothing happens to you by chance. There's no such thing as coincidence in the Bible. And everything that you've gone through, everything that you've gone through up until today is to prepare you for now. You're being prepared for now, for the final, the final show. And so you'll be able to look back and say, hey, I can appreciate all that now because it prepared me for what I'm entering into. 
Maybe you've been struggling trying to get healed from something. Let me tell you something. When the power of God begins to flow you through you and you start healing the sick, laying hands on the sick and see them recover, and you'll be able to relate, and you won't, you won't be, you, you know, it won't be sympathy you'll be feeling. It'll be compassion because I know how that feels. Yeah. That's why Jesus went through everything that he went through, so that he could relate to you. And so some of the things that you've been through, they're going to be your strength at the end of the day. Amen. Praise God. Stop preaching and let these people go home. Okay. I'm not going to tell you about the angel. Because you'll be back on Sunday if I, if I don't tell you right now. Huh? No, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not. I'm not really not. I never intended to. <laughs> I mentioned it. This is the hook to bring you back. No, I didn't really do it for that. I mentioned it, but if you've been in a situation, like I've had experiences, and I'm sure that many of you have, that it takes you a while to talk about it. Like I remember one day I was in a car with Kenneth Copeland, and he reached over and put his hand on my chest and prayed for me. I never even told my wife to this day. Because in my mind, it was just too holy. To, and, and I couldn't, to talk about it would bring, would bring it down. Paul the Apostle said, I was caught up to the third heaven. He said, I can't even talk about it. Right? So if he could say that. No, I'll tell you more. I know that I will, but I, but I, I really, I, I can't do it right now. I'm serious. Like, it's like a block. It's like. No, no, it's like if God reveals a prophecy to you, the first thing that you want to do is blurt it out. But you have to process it because it may be painful if you, if you release it in the wrong manner. Because when God gives you a prophecy, if it's a negative one, the good news is he's letting you know so that it can change. <laughs> right? Not all prophecy is, you know, you know, I know that it's for exhortation and comfort and all that, but sometimes a prophecy can be pretty harsh when it comes across until you... Work it through your system. So we're working some things through. But I'm excited. I hope you're excited. The struggle is over. Listen, the struggle is over. Sweatless victory. 2020. It's a pivotal year. Everything is going to shift and change this year. It's exciting. And when you get it, when, and, and, and again, when you start to believe it, you'd be like Shirley was running around this church. And I remember sometimes I'd be looking, because I'd look at carnal Christians, because I've been one myself. I'm not, you know, you know, what's all, you know, when, oh, no, no. When the Holy Spirit started to move over in 110 Thorn Avenue, I was the worst critical one, because I'm trying to control everything. It's, it doesn't line up with the word. Where's the word? Where's I find that in the word? I was a word bird. Until, I remember one time in particular, Vicki Jameson Peterson called me up and said, Pastor Gary, what did you think about that service? And she passed me the microphone, and I was speechless. And I'd seen it on TV, but I never experienced it. I got the microphone in my hand, and I'm trying to go, oh. I can't speak. <laughs> Another time I saw a guy frozen for 25 minutes in a position. Matter of fact, if you'll go on some of Kenneth Hagin's old camp meetings, you can see Billy Brim one time, 35 or 40 minutes, frozen in the audience. No little white hanky to woo around with or anything. She was locked down tight. 
Why does God do that? I don't know. But it's a sign and a wonder. Sign and a wonder. Turn to somebody and say, you're a sign and a wonder. <laughs> Come on, I watched Shirley Wilson run around here, run around here, run around here. When she was dealing with all kinds of stuff. Running, running, running. Looking ridiculous. Nope, it's nothing personal. <laughs> she ran right into a new car. You know, it's no, but you you got to know God wants to use, to use you in the gifts of the Spirit too. But He's going to He's going to make you look foolish. He wants to make you look foolish. Ask Him why. I don't know. No, no. In order to get you out of your flesh and over into the realm of the Spirit, sometimes you got to do things that just just your educated mind doesn't work on. No, that's why the Spirit of God is moving over in some of these these third world developing countries like it like it is because they don't have the big education and they don't have the shopper's drug market to run to if their prayers don't work. They're coming to you and wanting you to lay hands on them because if you, if it doesn't work, that's all they're getting. We experienced that seven or eight years in a row over there. That's all they got. They lined up for days. They lined up in a long line, standing in a line in the hot sun with mosquitoes biting them and all kinds of stuff just to get hands laid on them. I remember one day it was 5.30, it was getting dark. We were driving away and there was still a line up down the street and down the block. No, and over here, every church in the city closed down because of snowflakes. Come on, this is Nova Scotia. I never heard tell of such a thing until this past few years. Big red belt banners. Snowfall warning. Not like Newfoundland. Okay, I understand that. I get that. But man, we drive, we, we drive through snow all the time over here. Come on. like Can't go to church because there's some snowflakes falling. Snowflakes on the news. You can stay home and watch them. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Would anybody like We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.